brush up the oven. It's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. And I prefer to think of myself as a long-term titan-killing booty call. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises. One each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our miniseries Web head summer covering every spider-man film we will fully spoil today's film avengers infinity war but we will not spoil any future entries in this series emmett how are you doing it's funny that you say the word continuing because it seems more like we're just diverting completely (laughs) off and doing another thing for six hours (laughs) but uh i'm i'm still i'm doing well nonetheless uh, how are you? I am good. I do I do agree with you. And with the next one being Spider-Verse 2, it kind of feels like there are just like many different offshoots going on at the same time. But today we are talking about uh, Avengers Infinity War. This was released April 27th, 2018 by Walt Disney Pictures. I have a strong memory of seeing this the night of my... I think it was called Senior Gala. It was like our senior dinner in college, basically. This came out right like a couple days before I graduated. The memory is very burned into my head of like staying up all night, finishing (laughs) a final to graduate and then watching this the next day. I remember watching this with past and future guest Anna. It was like midnight and we were like, awake and there was a midnight showing of infinity war and we were like what could be better than to go and watch this so uh-huh. we book it to the theater and of course like we're the you know some of the only people there that like because it wasn't like the opening night midnight show right, it was just right. a midnight showing that they were doing <laughs> and so we're like some of the only people there anna immediately well she sees loki die cries and then falls asleep and misses the rest <laughs> of the movie <laughs> and i was just like completely overwhelmed by the whole thing and you get out at three in the morning and you're just like oh what is the world (laughs) i remember the ending of this so i saw this in anderson south carolina which is where chadwick boseman is from and the ending of this you also got to remember this movie is only two months after black panther So they were really hedging their bets that like Black Panther was going to be big, considering Mm -hmm. that so much of this is in Wakanda and everything. But the end when Black Panther dies, I remember the audience like turning against the movie (laughs) in such a way I have rarely seen before. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. Even still now, I guess, what are we, four, four years later watching this? It just I was just like, yeah, what a moment this was. Like a pop culture moment where everyone was turning to dust. And I feel like Spider-Man was like Mr. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good, was like the big thing from this movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the saddest of all of the vaporizations. Like that's the that's the one that is meant to hit the hardest and and does. Despite (laughs) Tony Stark, um, (laughs) who I cannot stand in this movie (laughs) or in the subsequent movies (laughs) i hate him at this point (laughs) i think he's good in the early stuff i don't know 
how much he really gets to play after that, you know. I love the scene of him and Doctor Strange at the very beginning where he's like realizing this is the thing he's been afraid of and he's mm. trying to get past his pride to call Steve and he can't quite do it. I had completely forgotten that they do the fake out Tony death in this. And I remember that being a real moment in the theaters too because they do kind of kill Which a lot one of people. Is that? Uh, when Thanos stabs him in their oh, like, yeah. one-on-one combat. Yeah. And then Doctor Strange is like, no, let him live and I'll give you the stone. Yeah, that was another reason why I feel like this was such a big twist is that the marketing of this movie was basically like either Tony or Steve is going to die. Like Mm -hmm. that was the whole marketing for this movie was being like, you know, the main characters are going to die. Yeah. And a lot of people do die in this movie for real, but that's why it's such like the first time you see it, a shock when instead they kill all of the new characters. Yeah. And then they're like, it's no, this is going to be the Avengers yeah. in, the, in the last movie. Yeah. Plus maybe probably some other people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. This was directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. That's the same team from Civil War. This movie uh, does indeed run the same Length as Civil War, two hours and 29 minutes. The score is by Alan Silvestri, who does all of the Avengers movies. Had a budget of $300 million before marketing, made $2 billion. I don't even want to think about what that means. <laughs> I guess that paid off. It was the highest grossing film of 2018. It is still unadjusted for inflation, the fifth highest grossing film ever made. Uh, it was well received at the time. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the Oscars, although it did not win. Emmett, what do you want to tell the good folks listening about Infinity War? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a movie about a purpled guy named Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just this hard scrabble kid from the streets. Uh, he, just, he just had a dream. And that dream like fed him his whole life until he became, some would call him a god. His dream was to murder half the universe uh, so that the other half of the universe would have enough resources. Mm-hmm. Which is the f- a, an interesting moment in pop culture history of one of the first major villains to be motivated by kind of like climate issues adjacent sort of things like you know like this big moral question that has to do with like consumption caused by civilization itself being the thing that's threatening civilization and like one course corrective is to just destroy half of civilization and that would that's a way of handling it which is interesting that he doesn't okay or just to like just go off down a, a little side path here for a second interesting that he doesn't think I get all the stones and could just snap more material goods into the world, like more food. Like you, if there, if what yeah. you are, if you have the power to do literally anything, you could just double the resources to match the number of the number of living people. But you know, I guess when you're a hammer, every problem looks, you know, and Thanos is indeed a hammer and he's got this daughter 
or stepdaughter, really, adopted daughter, really more like this girl that he kidnapped when he murdered her entire planet. But he is kind of Stockholm syndromed her into becoming a badass mercenary who we have previously already known in the movies of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy as Gamora and our our friends of that team and good person. But wait, it's going to get confusing because she did evils for him. And even though she hated it, well, there it is. Thanos has this daughter, Gamora. He sacrifices her for the Soul Stone. Then he is coming for Vision. Then Wanda is like, I'll do it. I'll kill him. He kept phasing into my room and it was freaky and weird. And I'll kill him. And so she she goes, she kills him. And then Thanos is like, too bad. I got the Time Stone. And zaps back into the past and then rips the stone out of poor Paul Dano's head, or who, wait, no. <laughs> Paul Ben. Paul Bettany. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see Paul Dano as the vision. <laughs> be hilarious. Uh, no, right out of Paul Bettany's head, there's Wanda, double traumatized. Here's Thanos. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, wow. Here he is at final battle. They're going to do it. Thor's going to kill him, but he went for the arm. Thor's a big dummy. Thor's terrible. And then, wow, <laughs> Tony Stark is going to do it. He can't. He's not strong enough. It's his failures. He's sorrowly seen it. And then, wham, oh, right when you think it couldn't get any worse, stabbed. Hoist, as it were, on his own petard. Tony Stark right through the heart he never had. And then, and then, Doctor Strange says, Tony, it's you. It's always been you. I'll do it. And I'll call Captain America for you as well. Take the stone. (laughs) Take the stone. There's only one way. And he says, 45 minutes away from the end of this movie and a full year and a half away from the next film, we're in the end game now, boys. And then Thanos gets the stone. He snaps. Everybody dies. Literally, I have half the universe mm-hmm. across the universe. We see that. It's fairly compelling. Mm-hmm. On another thing, in the middle of this, Thor has gone on a quest to get the magic god-killing weapon, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I just want to say that part I really like. Yeah. What does any of that have to do with Spider-Man? I'd love to know your thoughts. <laughs> well, thank you for that non-linear reenactment of some of the last 20 minutes of this movie. Uh, Spider-Man and well, see the this movie is why I argued for including the non-Spider-Man movies in this series mm-hmm. because Spider-Man dies in this movie. Yeah. Which feels significant. It does. We've never seen him die before. It certainly is hugely significant to Tony's arc yeah. that he, you know, holding his his son or his son figure in his arms and then he dies. And yeah. That Tony can't stop it, you know? That's sort of what breaks everything. The ultimate failure. But before that, Spider-Man kind of goes on a little arc of going into space, which is really cool, and... He like gets officially crowned an Avenger mm-hmm. and he sort of has a like my two dads situation with Tony Stark and Stephen Strange mm-hmm. uh, who have basically both shown up to the party wearing the same personality and <laughs> neither of them are happy about it. 
And Spider-Man sort of uh, dealing with that, managing egos. Then he meets the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then he dies. He's probably in, I don't know, eight minutes of this movie? Yeah. But that is sort of the whole thing. I mean, this is this movie is basically like part one of the season finale uh-huh. of the MCU TV show. The whole thing is cross-cutting, you know? I would say that probably Thor or maybe uh, Iron Man are the people in this the most. Uh-huh. And they're maybe in like 20... 22 minutes of the two and a half hours so i think thanos might be in it the most i really do think it's a thanos movie he's like he's the protagonist they normally say spider-man will return or iron man will return at the end it says thanos will return yeah so i do agree that i think he is the protagonist and he gets what he wants it's an intense ending my take on this movie basically the question the movie is asking all of its characters repeatedly is like, would you be willing to let someone die to save the rest of the world? Mm -hmm. Which in some cases can mean like to kill someone or like to have the blood on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is sort of the question that is asked of all these heroes who have all basically proven that they are willing to die themselves to save the world. And in this movie, they are asked, okay, well, would you let your boyfriend or your best friend or someone you just met die if it meant that everyone else would live? Yeah. And, of course, Thanos says yes. Yeah. He kills Gamora in a very dramatic scene. Star-Lord rises to the occasion Mm -hmm. at the last minute, although it it is too late. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, and the same thing for Scarlet Witch, who does it in the most dramatic scene, but it is once again too late. So, yeah. But we watch everyone else say no. You know, we watch Doctor Strange say no. We watch even Gamora say no with Nebula. Mm. We watch uh, Captain America say no with Vision. Like, no one is willing to let someone die. And I think that, along with the fact that they are all completely divided and trying to fight the war from different fronts while still not talking to each other, is, like, the reason that they lose. Yeah. It's intense. And, of course, Doctor Strange at the end says, yes, I will let half the world die because it's the only way to, like, win this and bring everybody back eventually. Yeah. Although it seems like the refusal of the thing of like letting Tony die to win. So I, I think that's a really interesting axis to base that whole thing on. You know? Yeah, for sure. Especially since earlier in the movie, he like makes a specific point to say, like, if it comes down to saving you or saving Spider-Man versus saving the time zone, I will save the time zone and let you die. Yeah. And then when the time comes, you know, that's not how it plays out. Yeah. Well, okay. I want to talk about specific arcs, but first let me ask you, I mean, flop or bop to the whole Infinity War? I think it's a bop. It is like incredibly breezy to watch because it is kind of doing that season finale thing. There's so much cross cutting and it's like action, full action on everything all the time. It's just like kind of going from action scene to action scene of different crazy stuff happening. I don't super connect with Tony as a character. 
and so like some of the emotional weight of mm-hmm. it i'm like eh about but i love star lord and gamora so that stuff's all really sad yeah and just like thanos following his arc through this is really interesting it is so strange that he is so good in this it's like strange that josh mm-hmm. brolin as a giant animated purple like ball sack faced yeah. like thing <laughs> is good is really compelling and good acting um, is kind of baffling but i think it's true wait fop or bob oh bob for me too i really like this one I agree with you. I think the animation on Thanos is still really good. Mm-hmm. Just, I think last week we were talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, where a lot of that doesn't really hold up yeah. today, even though it's the year before this. But I think like Thanos still looks really good. It is weird how much he looks like Josh Brolin. <laughs> but Brolin is really good in the part. I was thinking back to when we talked about Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. We found that Josh Brolin quote where he was like, doing this movie is like black box theater in the 70s and doing Deadpool 2 is like a commercial or whatever. But that is the vibe you get, that he is like taking this stuff very seriously. And this movie is like very portentous, very dramatic. Uh Uh-huh. I guess my biggest criticism, I think it sags a little bit in the second act. I think there's a lot of lore that they are Uh, working to explain in this movie. mm -hmm. But I also think that it is still just like really fun and really funny. I think the beginning that is like so thrilling of everyone coming together and seeing how they all get involved. Them thinking basically like, okay, what would it be like if... Uh, Doctor Strange and Iron Man had a conversation. What would it be like if uh, Star-Lord and Thor had a conversation? And they're just playing all the different angles on it. That stuff's great. And I love the ending. I love the Battle of Wakanda. I think it's really well done. And obviously, like, the actual sort of final ending of watching everyone disappear is still, like, such a bold moment. It feels probably the closest to watching Darth Vader say, I am your father. Mm. I think that I have seen like as for the first time mm. as a viewer. So yeah, I do. It, it really works for me on the whole. Hell yeah. I guess we should start with Spider-Man since this is a Spider-Man podcast. And by start with, I mean, I'm sure we're halfway through the episode, but is there anything about Spider-Man's arc in this or the Tom Holland performance that we want to call out? I feel like he's a little the the character's a little lost in just the mix of everything else that's happening in this movie. But I do like the part where they where they kick the guy out of the side of the spaceship, a la Alien or Aliens, and they like mm-hmm. suction him out. That part's super cool. Um, seeing him interact with Doctor Strange and uh, Tony is fun. I love the cool new suit that he gets. I think that's super dope. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want an Iron Man designed spider suit? Like that's so cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. I like that we see Ned at the beginning too. Exciting for Spider Man to be involved in something this big, even though I agree that he is—he doesn't seem high on the list of characters who are going to have like a big arc in this movie. Yeah, but I like his—I like his first appearance a lot too. I like that fight in the park. With the guy who's got like kind of similar to Doc Aki 
long arms that they're fighting. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he just shows up to help. I, I like all of that stuff a lot. If we're going to step into the continuity corner here. Okay. This movie takes place two years after Civil War, which I think we said was the beginning of Peter's sophomore year. Okay, so it would be the beginning of his senior year. Beginning of senior year or maybe end of junior year, I guess, depending on like which side of the summer it's on. Okay, okay. But there is like a big chunk in the middle that we have not seen. Of him being friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for like two years. But I'm also guessing that like the him and Tony relationship has grown somewhat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he probably has seen Tony since rejecting the Avenger status at the end right. of Homecoming. Right. Which which is probably like a year or maybe a year and a half before this. I think there's been like a year since then. Okay. So he's end of junior year, beginning of senior year now. Yeah. And he's probably 17, I would guess, where he was 15 the last time we saw him. He just got snapped too so he won't be around yeah so now he got snapped so we'll have fun figuring out the continuity corner from there but that's where we are so far at least okay to switch to another hero okay we've talked about before yes because in our taika series we covered thor ragnarok now this movie takes place basically five minutes after thor ragnarok yes because that ends with him and loki on the ship with all the Asgardians, uh, and then Thanos's ship pops up in front of them. This movie starts basically immediately after that with Kenneth Branagh's voice as the distress signal, which I've always really liked. Huh. Uh, what do you think about Thor's arc throughout this movie? This is an interesting one. Because like I thought the whole thing with Thor in... Ragnarok was he was like getting badass and getting like fun, like more easygoing, you know, and like really coming into himself. And in this one, he is like so pained and like so messed up. But, you know, he does see Loki get murdered right in front of him. So that's pretty hard. And then he goes and he creates the magic weapon in the totally cool sequence with some of the Guardians. Then he comes in and fails to kill Thanos at the end even though he has supposedly the god-killing weapon. Pretty wild. It feels like he has the hero arc in this movie. Yeah. You know, he doesn't win at the end. Yeah. But him coming into Wakanda, I feel like, is definitely the most hype moment in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, If not in, like, the whole MCU. Maybe only second to him basically doing the same thing in Ragnarok, where I feel like it's pulled off slightly better. But it's awesome either way. Yeah. I think it's a really good performance. I love him and Rocket. Honestly, two really good performances there. Um, And I love like the scene they have in the pod where Thor basically explains everything that's just happened to him. And he says like revenge is a good motivator and you can just see like his desperation. Yeah. I think it's really incredible stuff from Hemsworth. I do wonder, like like you brought up, he's very funny in Ragnarok, and it feels like this movie kind of won 80s from Ragnarok in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, we don't see Korg or Valkyrie. 
what looks like most of everyone who they spent the whole last movie saving is murdered at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Along with Heimdall and Loki, who are both murdered at the beginning of this movie. And then Thor, like, gets another eye and gets another weapon. And it feels like the whole thing in Ragnarok is that he... He learns that like he has, you know, he's the god of thunder. He doesn't need the hammer yeah. to channel his thunder. And then this whole movie is him making like another hammer, basically another weapon. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is that the MCU is an increasingly D&D based universe of just like grab bag of any sort of stuff that you want. And it's run by a bunch of unruly people who don't seem to really have any cohesive idea, at least like style-wise. Certainly, like if they have plot-based things, it's not on like the granular level like that, you know? Just like make yourself a new weapon. You lose a weapon, make a new weapon. Seems right. But that's the whole Luke Skywalker thing, too. You get a magic weapon. Right. You know, you lose that weapon. And then you get an even cooler magic weapon that you made yourself instead of having it gifted to you. So it's like even cooler. Yeah, no, that is a really good point. And it doesn't feel like cheap when that happens in Return of the Jedi. It like feels like an achievement. But I do hear you about, especially about the eye thing too, is like, that's an interesting and very convenient too. They just like pop out a glass eye and they're like, here we go. And because I thought the whole cool thing about him being one-eyed is that he's supposed to look like Odin. Like, that's the thing. He's supposed to look like his dad. Yeah, and to be fair, I think I mean, Ragnarok also kind of does this. Like, they kill off the Warriors 3 at the beginning of Ragnarok and, you know, get rid of the hammer. So I guess it is maybe sort of like the status quo for a lot of these things. It just does feel... The eye and the hammer specifically feel like a little... 180 to me still yeah watching it. i wonder if taiko will just pop that eye right back out like have somebody knock him on the back of the head <laughs> it pops out <laughs> that would be funny it's really going to mess me up that we're going to watch love and thunder before i rewatch endgame because thor is about to go through another huge arc <laughs> yeah a, a wild ass arc I watched these back to back. I watched Infinity War and Endgame back to back, and it was alarming. I'm having trouble keeping them apart right now. They shot them back to back, too. Really? It was not like a simultaneous thing. And in fact, I I have always heard that they did not know. They had no plot for Endgame. They like purposefully wrote themselves into a corner, basically, and then like started from scratch. Excuse me? On the Endgame script after this script was locked. (laughs) What? Yeah. That's wild. Well, I think this movie does kind of present a problem, which is like, as you were saying with Thanos, he is so good in this movie. And like, I don't necessarily think of him as the good guy. Like this movie does not end with me being like, oh, I can't wait for the Avengers to kill Thanos. Right. You know, like that's not the sequel setup that this leaves and it is a much more like confusing moral situation i feel like it leaves you with this is the perfect first part to what comes after i know like we can't get into it too much no spoilers but i think that in-game is a far better more cohesive better paced just like better plotted movie than this one is altogether. But I think that it could not be as good as it is without this movie just like kind of 
exploding everything at it, you know? It is definitely like a much more linear, much less all over the place explosion of a movie than this is. Yeah. Okay, we talked about him for a minute, but the villain report, let's just talk about any other thoughts we had about Thanos. And I'm going to also throw in... The Black Order, his his goon squad, who are also kind of major villains for a lot of this. Mm. Any thoughts on the villains here, Emmett? These goofy alien guys that work for Thanos are finally villains worthy of the Avengers. Goofy, fast-talking, weird alien wizards. I, I like them. I'm always interested to know, like, what do those people, like, what do they get out of Thanos vaporizing half of the universe? Like, what's their angle? You know what I mean? Like, Thanos, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever his reasoning is, it's very clear what his motivation, you know, like, he's come to that conclusion, and that's his motivation, and that's pretty clear. Disagree with him if you want to, but what the hell do those other alien people, like, get out of it they're not just like mindless monsters that he created to serve him like the like the things they're doing the fighting are those things are like full people what are the, what the hell are they up to that's what i need a marvel show about i really like the i don't even know what they are but those like weird venom dogs mm-hmm. that are the bad guys in the battle of wakanda mm-hmm. i feel like they're the most effective of all of the faceless goons we've gotten in superhero movies Mm -hmm. in terms of like here's an army of like weird aliens or robots or something you can kill without feeling bad and we can have a lot of them yeah in a battle just like the design of them is like pretty grisly and appropriately weird and they're just shot is like constantly in motion yeah and i like that you sort of never really get a handle on like what they are what they're doing they're just like this force that's going to keep coming. Yeah. I think it makes that battle really visually dynamic, especially with Captain America with the little like hand shields that he's just punching oh, them off yeah. with. All of that stuff's cool. What about you? Any other thoughts on these alien dudes or Thanos? I really like the female member of the Black Order. I'm going to look up her name. She's played by Carrie Coon the great Carrie Coon of Steppenwolf theater and uh, she was in Ghostbusters, the leftovers. I think her name is like prime Meridian or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, Proxima midnight is her name. Proxima midnight. That's hilarious. (laughs) I really like her. I feel like she, obviously the main guy is really good and he dies sort of quickly. I'd say it's probably like an hour in when he gets tossed into space, but he definitely leaves an impression. And Thanos seems pretty sad when he hears that he's dead too, which is of note. But uh, I really like Proxima Midnight. I think she has a lot of good moments when when she's like, that's the last time you'll get the chance. I love the Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Okoye, Proxima Midnight fight. Oh, yeah. That is probably like the coolest action moment, I would say. MVP, who is your MVP, Emmett, other than Peter Parker? Uh, He's all I'm going to take off the table because I couldn't. Well, I guess we did say the protagonist is Thanos. Thanos. So I will also take Thanos, who we've talked a lot this episode off of the table. But other than Thanos or Peter, who is your MVP? 
I would say I would say probably Scarlet Witch. She does what needs to be done, and she's obviously you know very messed up about this. And the movie opens with her and Vision in a really sweet way. True. True. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree that she's really good. I really like Bettany too. The one that really stuck out to me last night, I think I called him out once already, but it's Bradley Cooper as Rocket oh. Raccoon. I think he gives a really good performance in this movie. You know, he's very funny throughout all of it. He has some great lines, but also playing serious in the bits with Thor. I like when he when he's like, time to be the captain, and you see him like trying to be serious and sort of like do the things that he's learned from Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. It's just good character stuff. Yeah. Him at the end when Groot dies, like, really gets to me. Really yeah. gets to me. It really cracks me up every time when I remember that that is Bradley Cooper and imagine him <laughs> yelling in a voice booth all of this nonsense. Like in this weird accent. Yeah. This weird little raccoon accent. There also is a big break here. I don't know if uh, I don't know if people always track this, but the Guardians of the Galaxy, who we both love those first two Guardians movies... I feel like if we ever were to do another MCU thing down the line, it would maybe be just watching the rest of the Guardians movies we haven't covered. It'd be fun. Guardians 1 takes place in 2014 when it came out. Guardians 2 takes place six months after that. So it's very soon after the first one. And then there is like a three-year gap in continuity where they are going around and having adventures and presumably having some character growth that we don't really see any of before they show up in this movie. Yeah. At the end of Guardians 2, maybe Gamora and Star-Lord kiss for the first time, but like when this starts and they're like in a full-blown relationship and they're saying I love you and all of that stuff, that is like new development. Yeah. And it's cool to see, but I also do wonder like what all happened in yeah. in the middle there that we didn't get to see with all those characters. Well, here's my prediction for Guardians of the Galaxy 5, I guess, or 4 or 5. Okay, actually, I can't say this. We, ha- we can't talk about this until after we talk about Endgame, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> but it looks like they're all going to be back in Thor, Love, and Thunder. I know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> I, I think they're all going to be back in Thor, Love, and Thunder, so we'll find out soon. Soon we will know what happened with all of that. Indeed. Emmett, final thoughts? Any final thoughts on Infinity War here? No, I can't wait to talk about Endgame really is my final thought because I watch them back to back, getting them confused. It's hard to talk about one without the other. I think I will be able to speak a couple more complete thoughts about both of them together on the Endgame episode. But for now, let's leave it there. Wade, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I also have more thoughts about this movie that I will not be able to say until we talk about Endgame, which is a little bit. But, okay, two small Spider-Man moments I wrote down. I just want to call out. I love when he says, you can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's no neighborhood. Mm. That is a great, great line to send Spider-Man into space. And I like at the end when he's saving everyone and he says, sorry, I can't remember everyone's names. Just classic good Spider-Man joke. Oh, there is one great one when he meets Doctor Strange. Or he says, hello, I'm Peter Parker. He says, hello, Doctor Strange. He says, oh, we're doing fake names. Uh, I'm Spider-Man. That's a good one. <laughs> also, shout out, don't think I mentioned him at all this episode, but I think in his five minutes at the beginning of this, Hiddleston is really good mm. and has like 
a very affecting, grisly death as Loki True. getting choked out. And telling Thanos you will never be a god, which always like always kind of lingers with me. I'm like, that is really interesting. You know, like, is that what Thanos wants? Is that what Loki thinks he wants? What is that revealing about those characters? I thought Thanos was a god. They call him the Mad God. I guess he's a Titan, right? He's from Titan, and he's a big guy. <laughs> I don't know. He's a big dude from Titan. He's very powerful. Thor's a god. Loki's a god. Both of them seem to be a little bit yeah. weaker individually than Thanos. So what's how does that work? But does that mean no one will ever worship him? It is also crazy that Thanos beats Hulk at the beginning with how Hulk, strong Hulk is in Ragnarok right before this. Yeah. I I get that they're just setting up like how strong Thanos is, but it's still crazy. Wait, and is this the one where he can't Hulk out? Yeah, this is the one where he's in the suit, like the Hulkbuster yeah, suit, suit the whole time. Yeah, He's good in this too. I mean, Ruffalo is always he's good. Always he's good. very funny in this. All right. Shall we wrap it up? How soon until he'd get to talk about Nope? Very soon, but even before that, we have our favorite part of each and every week, our quiz game. Bum's the word. Emmett, today we are going to be examining the films of one Zoe Saldana, the oh, actress who plays Gamora. No way. Great actress who's in a ton of movies, mostly <laughs> covered in paint. <laughs> but truly, I believe if you were to add up the box office gross of all the films she's been in, I have to think that it's more than any other any other actor, just because of all the franchises she's been in. So truly a, a tremendous actress, Zoe Saldana. We're going to go through some of her movies, starting with the big ones, getting a little more obscure. We'll see how many out of 10 you can guess. I have not included her MCU movies here, although obviously she is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Emmett, film number one, it's a 2009 science fiction film. It is both the 11th film in a franchise and the first film in a new franchise. It is a reboot. Wait, in 2009? Mm-hmm. The 11th film? Is it Star Trek? It is. Well done. Is she covered in paint in that one as some sort of alien person? Well, is she? She's Uhura. I remember that her roommate is in one scene that lives rent-free in my memory, but maybe she is just a human. Yeah, she is. She is. She is. She is. Um, she has a green college roommate in the first one, but she is just a normal human in that. I have not seen the Star Trek movie. The only Star Trek movie I've ever seen is the original, which we can't even begin to get into right now. I watched that movie on my iPod video uh-huh. back in the day on the little two-inch screen, uh-huh. and um, it was truly thrilling. <laughs> okay, film number two here. It's another 2009 science fiction film. This one is just the start of a franchise that people keep claiming is going to continue, but has not done so yet. Is this Avatar... The first blue people. (laughs) This is indeed Avatar. James Cameron's Avatar. James Cameron's Avatar. Not to be confused with M. Night's Avatar. 
Next up, film number three. This is a 2003 adventure movie. This is another start of a huge franchise, although Zoe Saldana is only in this movie. She's not in the other four, I think, four or five movies in the series. Oh, is it Pirates of the Caribbean? It is. Hot dog. Yes, she's uh, she is one of Jack's crew in the first movie. They have a sordid past that's alluded to, but never spoken. Of. Anna Maria, this says. There are still some more big movies, but that is the end of the big franchises. But pretty crazy to have to be a big character in Marvel, Avatar, Star Trek, and Pirates. Pretty wild. Wow. Okay, this next one is a 2017 animated musical film this is based on a long-running uh like a a tv show a toy series i guess i knew these more from the toys but it's also like a kid's tv show for a long time and it's finally getting a movie when in 2017 yes is it trolls no same sort of vibe zoe saldana plays captain seleno in this movie. Seleno? Yes, it says it's a a jaded parrot pirate captain. Jaded parrot? <laughs> what? A jaded... Uh, that's a tongue twister <laughs> just to even say. A jaded pirate parrot captain? <laughs> and, and, and what is she doing? Based on a toy line? What is she doing? Well, it says that she is relegated to the Storm King's delivery service. <laughs> this is what she's doing. <laughs> there's a parrot pirate captain working for amazon what <laughs> it's, it's a toy line of other anthropomorphic animals okay. but most of them are not parrots most okay. of them are one specific type of animal neopets no oh, the, a good guess this is sort of like people make fun of this Furbies? series because Furbies, it's the movie? for like very young girls oh my little pony the series the movie yes oh yes. hell yes my little pony the movie well done emmett you are five for five okay these next <laughs> these next five i'm <laughs> less certain about but we'll try um This next one is a 2021 animated musical. It came out on Netflix. It was one of the four movies that were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda that came out last year. Um, Oh, was it um, it Encanto? No, it is the other animated movie. Much less successful that he wrote the music for last year. Well, see, I didn't know that he did a second animated musical last year. Or at least I don't think that I did. Yeah. Ooh, was it Sing 2? (laughs) No, it is about a rapping monkey in Cuba. Oh, Oh, I feel like I can see a poster for it in my mind's eye, but I I I don't know the name. I'm just going to I'm just going to give in on this one. What's it called? This is Vivo. Vivo. Well, very exciting. That seems fun. Is it on Netflix, you said? Yeah, Netflix original. Okay, a question. What are are they what are they rapping about? Are they like rapping about 
U.S. history, or are they like rapping about themes more relevant to children? <laughs> I, I, I'm dying to know. Okay, here's some of the song titles: "One of a Kind," uh-huh. "My Own Drum," uh-huh. "Keep the Beats," "Nice," "Inside Your Heart." Seems, I would say, more uh, relevant to children. Then. Seems nice. Seems good. What's up next? The next film, this is a 2004 drama. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, This is a movie that I remember Taylor Dorsett telling us he had watched more than any other movie in his life. So that's the main thing I know about this movie. (laughs) What movie was that? I can't remember that. It's the story of a man who's trying to make his way back to his home country and is living in the airport until he is able to do so. Is it The Terminal? It is. It is indeed The Terminal. Wow. I didn't know that that's what that movie was about. That is a movie that I have seen the the cover of in <laughs> movie stores since I was a young, young child. Never even cared to look at the back of it. I thought he had terminal illness then. I didn't didn't know it was in an airport. (laughs) Yes. It's an airport movie. I was like, seems like a downer. Okay, we've got three more, and we're just going to run through them because I'm not sure how likely it is. But this one, the first one is a 2001 teen comedy. It is a high school adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream. I believe that it was once a bums the word answer before, but I have never seen oh. it. Oh, yep. I I'm not gonna get it. I know it's. Wait, is it? Oh, there's one where they're. No, I don't know it. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Get Over It. Oh, I would never have gotten that. So good. And uh, it stars. Um, our beloved Mary Jane Watson, Kirsten Dunst as the lead. No kidding. Wow. Get over it. Okay. Film number nine. This is a 2002 teen movie. It is a road trip film. This is a movie that is basically like a star vehicle for a pop star who wanted to become an actress. Interesting. 2009? Uh, 2002. Ooh, 2002. Whoa. It is about this pop star and Zoe Saldana um, as two teenagers on a cross-country road trip. Wow, I have no idea. Uh, this film is Crossroads starring Britney Spears. No kidding. <clears throat> no way. Dude, what do the critics have to say about it? Do they love it? Do they hate it? It says generally unfavorable reviews, although Spears' acting was praised. Oh, interesting. Okay, and our 10th and final movie starring the wonderful Zoe Saldana. This is a 2019 stop-motion animated film. Is from Leica, the studio who made Coraline, Paranorman, and Kubo and the Two Strings. This is their most recent film, stars one of your favorite actors as the lead although not of course your favorite actor Liam damn yeah you know you just confused me just thinking of Liam uh, <laughs> one of my favorite actors is the lead and it's stop motion and it's Leica oof oof I don't know it 
I can confidently say I don't know. This is the film Missing Link. You remember this one? Do you remember this one now? Oh. A Sasquatch and a British explorer who travel to the Himalayas to meet his cousins. (laughs) Sorry, Hugh Jackman and Zoe. The Yetis? Yep. Wow. That sounds honestly like a very cute and and, and encouraging vibe, so... Yeah. I hope to watch it someday. I really like all of those Leica movies, like Kubo, mm-hmm. Coraline, Incredible. Well, I'm at 6 out of 10. Ain't bad, as we always say here. Well done on the quiz. I'll take it. How long till we get to speak of Nope? Okay. Next week, we are returning to our Taika series to cover Thor, Love and Thunder. Excited <gasps> for that. In two weeks, we're getting back to our Spider-Man series for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which also came out this same year, 2018. And in a mere three weeks, Mm. we're going to be talking about Jordan Peele's Nope at long last. And then someday we may return and talk about Endgame. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, so I guess then in a month, (laughs) we will be talking about Endgame. Um, so wait on pins and needles <laughs> but until then stop it I don't think I'm feeling very well Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 